Hello and welcome back to the Flix Forum podcast with MJ and Jesse, where each episode we check out a Netflix original film in the order of release. This is our 24th day of Podmas. It is Christmas Eve and we are putting out an episode or have been putting out an episode every day in the lead up to Christmas. Today we have Netflix 72nd film. It's the 2018 family drama Benji. Directed by Brandon Camp, stars Gabrielle Bateman and Darby Camp. Hi, MJ. So this is 24 days in a row of releasing an episode. Now, sure is. Does this mean this is the last day of Podmas? Because I'm just thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking back to like advent calendars. Do they have a chocolate for the 25th? I feel like there always was like... Maybe there was. Oh, I feel like there was always the last chocolate had a little thing of the nativity Santa. scene or something, wasn't it? Uh, there was always Santa Claus. I Santa Claus. But I, I wasn't sure if that oh, was... I got the crappy religious yeah. ones. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was the 24th or the 25th, but either way, we are committing to putting out an episode tomorrow on Christmas Day. We are. So you could either argue that we're saying that Podmas goes until Christmas Day, or we always release our episodes on Wednesday Australia time. And we're releasing it then. So either way, we're giving we're giving you an episode on Christmas Day. We are. Um, I'm excited. But I feel like this is the last day of Podmas. I think I've always I've broken it down in my head that Benji will be the last day before Podmas. It's like Christmas gift the night before. I'm a Christmas Eve kind of guy. Christmas Eve's a great great day. It is. Christmas nice day. Christmas Day is a fun day, but as a kid, like Christmas loses its zest once, once Christmas, you open your presents. Yeah, it's once, done. Once you open your presents, once seven the family comes, like yeah, yeah, no, no, exactly. Done. But the magic of Christmas is alive and well on Christmas Eve. So happy Christmas Eve to anybody if you are listening to it on the day of release. Yeah, definitely. So this film, Benji, uh, we are going to start off with our fast flicks, mm-hmm. where we do our own little summary of the film. MJ, fill us in on Benji. You ready for this? I am. The tale of a stray dog with human-like smarts and notions of empathy finds a family whilst in search of a new home, but ends up finding his way into their hearts. That's so beautiful. It sounds like a Christmas story itself. Oh, I could not say something like that. <laughs> I've, I've said a stray dog builds a connection with some kids and is there for them when things go wrong. Mm. God, things, things go really wrong. Things too. go pretty wrong for these kids. <laughs> Spoiler alert, we're going to spoil this film. So if you want a nice yes. Christmas story without... um. Hearing us talk about it, go, well, it's not a Christmas story, but just go watch it. Uh, we can be a bit festive today, though. Sure, we sure can. So, uh, we'd like to have a look at anything we've learned about a film that we're looking for the week or the day. Um, what have you found out about Benji? This this is a fun one. There's plenty There's plenty going on here in this backstory. Yeah. So, this is a reboot of the 1974 film. Yes. Um, which also sort of birthed like a TV series and other little Benji movies in the 80s and 90s. Had six and other films after the original. Yeah. Plus three TV specials. There you go. So this dog so, has a big play. Oh, you know what? So this is like the 11th Benji thing. And I'm not familiar with it. Are you no. familiar with it? Apparently it had done like a billion dollars worth of merchandise like through the 70s and 80s. I don't know. Did we just miss this in Australia or... Possibly, because... So when it came out, the original came out in 74. Yeah. It was a surprise hit. It yeah. had a budget of half a million, and it made 45. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty good return. Incredible. Incredible, yeah. buddy. So this is what this is what makes it interesting for me. And this is this is what I like about this story. So the big, the big thing that hit me was watching this film. This is a Blumhouse production. Yes. And I'm like, different. <laughs> hmm. Okay. I think Jason Blum does some really good stuff. I love a lot of the horror films he's done. And he's always based on the fact that he wants low budget to do great things, you know? Awesome. 
So I'm like, oh, I thought this was a family movie. And as it turns out, it is a family movie. So. Very much so. <laughs> um, so I was, I was drawn to find out information from Jason Blum as to why this is a Blumhouse film of all films. So what he liked was the story behind the family yeah. behind making the movie Benji. So um, the guy who wrote and directed the initial Benji film in 1974 wrote the script Bought it to Hollywood. They basically said, yeah, nah, not going to work, mate. <laughs> um, and he was pretty adamant that he believed in it. So he put up his own money. He made the Benji movie himself. Bought it to Hollywood. And as you said, huge hit. Hmm. So, he, you know, well done for backing yourself in. So Jason Blum, being the kind of guy who was behind the film Paranormal Activity, was, could see these parallels straight away, right? Yep. So... Um, Brandon Camp, who is the son of... I've lost the name of the Joe original... Joe Camp. Of Joe Camp. Yep. So Joe Camp directed the original film. And wrote it. And wrote it, sorry. Brandon Camp is his son, rolls into Jason Blum's office and says, I want to write and direct a new Benji movie and I want to do it 100% on my own terms. Uh, and Jason Blum's like, sweet. <laughs> I, want, I, want, I want to be part of this. Um, Brandon also got the... Because his father's still alive now. Yep. He got the uh, got the all clear from his dad. Probably said he'd never been never been more nervous in his life than when he was <laughs> showing the film to his dad. Um, but with the help of Jason Blum or with Blumhouse, uh, they they went and they went and made this film. And basically, the Blumhouse brand, which I wasn't as familiar with, and I also wonder how much of a stretch it is. Is he thinks of it as sort of two ways? Obviously, we've got our consumer facing brand, which is the scary movies that they make. Yep. Um, but they also have the industry-facing brand, which is protecting the artist, right? So probably not dissimilar to the way we've seen Netflix working with directors. Sure. That off you go, you do your own thing, we'll give you the budget, you do your own thing, and, and we'll back you in to, to protect that vision. So yeah, It's a very similar story to Jordan Peele with Blumhouse and Get Out. Absolutely. It, very much the same. Jordan Peele wanted full control. Yep. Blumhouse, yep, bang, here's the small budget, go do it. And what a gamble that was. Sure. <laughs> sure was. Um. So yeah, they gave they gave Brandon full license to work within the parameters they set him. Obviously, probably budget parameters. Budget, yep. Um, to do exactly what he wanted to do, which probably most studios in twenty eighteen wouldn't have been doing. Um, and then they eventually decided to sell that film to Netflix. Um, and I think there was a situation there where they had a choice: it was whether they wanted to sell it to a theatrical company and release it in cinemas, or sell it to Netflix. Um, I think and Universal had their hands on it at some stage. That's, yeah. yeah, that's the other thing that I saw. But they, this is Jason Blum's opinion that uh, there's a lot more kids watching movies on Netflix, so let's let's give them let's what it. they want. Um, and I think for for him, especially, this is a new venture, selling his film straight to Netflix, and um, obviously a family film. Uh, so he's not 100 percent sure what was going to happen, but there, there you go. It happened. The so yesterday when we sort of went through the cast and we said it's got you know it's directed by Brandon Camp and it stars um, Darby Camp and we're like oh this sounds like a bit of a family affair, not related at all. Unbelievable. So <laughs> that was so, one of the so, best things that I. So the young girl in it, her character's name is Frankie, played by Darby Camp, and her mum is the is um, her actual mum in real life in the movie, yeah. and she's also a loose little Lacey Camp. And they're not related. Not re- <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that. It was crazy. I, I could not believe it. Do you reckon he had a soft spot for <laughs> surname? Yeah. Yeah. Like, if your name's Camp, come and um, come and sign up. I thought um, 
this little bit like you know i found it very hard and they had it at the end but they said you know the american humane monitored the animal action and no animals were harmed Mm. i found like i don't know i just felt like there's a lot of situations in this film where some psychological damage was would have been done to these animals do you think oh maybe there's a a couple of scenes that yeah there's a couple of scenes that were a little bit on edge for me and i was like oh this looks a bit bit sus um well they had mark forbes who's a renowned animal consultant working on the film as the head trainer um and he has been in movies like we bought a zoo marley and me dr doolittle and that kind of stuff so he's probably they're probably knows what he's doing three of the biggest animals (laughs) in in hollywood um and he's done a hell of a job training those dogs because some of that stuff. <laughs> I was telling my wife about the things that the dog did. She's like, no, that would have just been like CGI. I'm like, like no, 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 no. They trained <laughs> yeah. this dog to do these things. Mm. Um, and did you know that the actual Benji in the film was found... Was in, a stray dog? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. In, in like a in, a... in a humane society in an abandoned supermarket parking lot. It's crazy. And the things that they, they can, can make him do. And yeah. I think about my dog who's such a pain <laughs> in the ass sometimes. I'm like, why can't you just like do normal things and not rip up the couch? And... <laughs> Look at this dog. He was Australian. He's saving lives. He's a pretty care... care um, oh, gives lots of care, this dog. Yeah, he's amazing. The other thing I saw was... So the opening shot shows this Joe's family style barbecue and big neon lights. And that was sort of like this little, um, you know, flick back to the original film, which was directed by Joe Camp. Um, yeah. The, his father it's so a nice, touch, nice, isn't nice it? little touch had a budget I did I saw this one we, uh, and I was hoping I, I was going to say <clears> oh geez, did you see the budget and no, I was like nah you, you since can, I like, missed it, it once or twice it, it, I, I search hard for it because it, it bothers me when we so we had it was about 6 million so what, 6 million which is you know good because as I said we don't normally get budgets on Netflix because they're able to hold that stuff pretty tight to their chest same reason we don't get um, viewership numbers so so what have you got any similar films I'm glad you asked oh, good this is a small budget, six it million dollars. It's very difficult to find uh, a film from sort of 2018, 2019, 2015 onwards <laughs> with a six million dollar budget that, that did anything that that you'd know about. So there's a few of these that are a bit old. I wanted to. Grease was probably the most successful six million dollar film, as we know that obviously blew up. Mm-hmm. Caddyshack. I thought I'd put that one down <laughs> just because we sort of talked about it in a, a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, we got a little bit of an insight as to how that was actually shot in, yes. in our um, in our talking of a futile and stupid gesture. Yes. Um, Van Wilder, which uh, again a comedy film, but again it's early two thousands. Yeah. So the more recent one, I've got Sliding Doors in there as well, just because it did quite well. The more recent ones are things like The Wrestler, which is still probably ten years old. Last King of Scotland, which is probably yeah. still 10 years old as well. <laughs> and Lady in the Van. I remember that was probably only two or three years old. Maggie old. Smith. I yeah, think so, yeah, maybe three or four years old now. But, um, you know, they're not working with a lot for $6 million, is, no. is my point. And that, all of those ones have some pretty big um, <clears throat> cast names. To, in make whereas, yeah, to make them what they are. To make them what they are, yeah. Well, this one should when you see how incredible this dog is. <laughs> the dog is pretty good. So there's this uh, film critic who's unfortunately passed away, Roger <clears throat> Ebert, which a lot of people would know about. And I found this nice little thing because throughout his career, he really loved the original Benji. All oh, right, he was a big fan, and um, he had like when he was on TV on some of the on some of the review shows, he had this sort of like sparring partner called um, Gene Siskel. And I was just doing a bit of research, and um, oh, they're on the the red carpet one time, and um, there was one of the sequels called Benji the Hunted. Yep, and. Um, Roger Ebert's like, yeah, really like that movie. And at the same time, he's like, I didn't like Full Metal Jacket by Kubrick. Yeah, and um, he explained, and I like this little sentiment. He explained that reviews are relative. And he noted that, you know, the dog picture wasn't one-tenth of the Kubrick film, 
but um, it had to be analysed within its own context and viewed on those terms. So that's why he thought that the film succeeded. So it's a nice way of sort of looking at, at films like this, family films that, you know, they're not made for everyone. They're obviously made <coughs> for a, a market of kids. Yeah. And yeah, you true. take that into the context of who it's made for and whether it succeeds based on that. Well, I'm glad that you've set that context up before our discussion. Not that we consider ourselves reviewers as much as we just want to chat about Chat about film. it, yep. Um, it is good to keep that context because, you know, if you looked at someone's star ratings, for example, and if someone gives uh, a family <laughs> film a four and someone gives a you know, Stanley Kubrick film a four, yeah. it doesn't mean that they're necessarily the same film, but you can enjoy them in completely different ways. Exactly. Uh, it's good context for a film like this, actually. Yeah, I thought so too. The, there was that one other little thing. That there's there's a, quite a few songs in this, this film. I didn't mind the music in this film. Yeah, music was okay. The... So the original Benji film from 1974, that had this song called I Feel Love, which was actually nominated for an Oscar that year um, as best original song. From the from original, original Benji. Film, yeah. And then they play that song in this film as well. Did they play that one twice? They did. They played yeah. it twice. I liked um, it. Twice, I liked yeah. it. So that was a nice little connection to the previous, uh, the original as well. Filmed in and around New Orleans, pretty mm-hmm. obvious. Mm-hmm. Probably talk a little bit about that in some scenes. And released March 16th, 2018, Netflix dropped it worldwide yep have you got anything else or should we look at some critical consensus yeah I think it's time to have a look at what people thought now this is one thing that got me not even people have seen this film no. it seems um, it's got a very healthy 6.4 out of 10 on IMDB yep just over 3,000 reviewers though uh, and a 2.9 out of 5 on Letterboxd with just over 1,000 so I mean those, those numbers are robust enough to get an idea of what people thought of the film yeah. but they are lower than what we have seen uh, recently yeah. yeah this is more back to the early Netflix original yeah. films where like no one had heard of these million dollar films that they were plucking out of nowhere <laughs> so on uh, my little new favourite the Google percentage have you done any research into I what haven't I still can't work out what this means okay. so 94% of Google users <laughs> like this film I feel like 94 <laughs> comes up a bit it does I've <laughs> got some algorithm that just pumps out 94 <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes for the critics, it was 60%, but only on 10 reviews, so mm-hmm. no consensus. Mm-hmm. And the audience had it quite similar, 69 on 141, so not it's a lot. It's funny how they say no consensus, but they still just give you the data. They do. So yeah. you can be like, it's 60%. Oh, no, but it's not like it's not a real 60%. But it, So with the 10 reviews, they still give it a fresh or rotten rating. They just don't give it a consensus. Like, it still had the red tomato. Yeah, um, so you can still see everything yeah. that you want to see. Just yeah. They haven't given it the rotten tomatoes to give approval. Just before we move on... <clears throat> I thought we might have been done and dusted with this, but I've got a Santa update. There's a Christmas oh, the update film. in this film. There is a scene in, in this film where the kids are lying together with Benji, deciding on his name, mm. and then they just the camera just shoots on a Christmas photo of the family with the dad there on oh, Santa's lap. Did. Yeah, that was sad. I was like, I could have, uh, I could have, you could have, you could have gone, up. yeah, could have, whatever we up. had a bet. So that's crazy to think that. So we had our last Christmas film like the. 12th or 13th? 13th, yep. So in 10 or 12 days, we've had four Christmas references of films that have seemingly nothing to do with Christmas. Yeah. Christmas is just a big thing. Podmas, it was it was calling us. It was ready for us. Maybe we should just keep an eye out on Christmas references in films, full stop. <laughs> full stop. Maybe, All right. Maybe it is sort of like a four in 12. <laughs> What's that? Three in... That's, you're good at math. That's a uh, 33.3333%. Good on you. Yes. Go me. All right. Let's get our early thoughts on this one. What are your early thoughts on this film? Um, what do you reckon my early thoughts were? This was, this was exactly what I was expecting after about a minute and a half in. In that first minute and a half, I can't tell you the amount of times that I 
out loud that I said, oh, <laughs> I, it was like eight or nine times. Yeah. You know, even though I just said, I can't tell you how many times I said it. Um, this dog was brilliant. Um, the way they use him brings a whole new meaning to the term puppy dog eyes. So suffice to say, I loved this film. I fell hard and fast for Benji. <laughs> I wasn't that interested in anything when he wasn't on screen. Yep. But my heart bled for him on so many occasions. <laughs> and this dog was just incredible. And sometimes that's what you want to watch on TV. Nice. What did you think? <laughs> I thought this was a very um, inoffensive film. It was and sweet, wasn't it? It had a lot of really cute moments. Um, it had some pretty cringy stuff too, which you, I, had to, I need to mention. Um, oh, of course. I can, I can see why that they decided not to go with a theatrical run for this. You can see why that Universal probably decided, hey, we don't really have a home platform. That's why it's probably good to move this to Netflix. Like, I can totally get that because yeah. this is a very, um, you know, back when we were growing up, this was a directive VHS film that probably came out rather than at the cinemas. Like uh, Milo and Otis and Homeward Bound and those kind of movies. Oh, I feel like Milo and Otis still hit the cinema. Milo yeah, yeah. Huge. But yeah, Everyone you know what? Yeah, yeah no, I know lines. what you mean. It's a different time. It's yeah, a different, different time. time. All right, so let's have... Oh, I didn't have a Netflix match on this one either. No, neither uh, um, Let's have a we look at some... We haven't watched enough kids no, movies. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a bit worried. Um, <laughs> characters. This this has got a whole range of characters. Yeah, it does. There's probably not a heap to talk about to really. Talk no. about with all of them, but there are a lot there to that deserve our attention in some capacity. Hmm. Um, do you have much to say about Benji? I had him. I said, I know it's a character, but I thought he was the best actor in the film. He was the film. Yeah, like, he was the reason that you like this film. He's the reason that you're going to talk about this film. Um, he's the reason why people are going to call their dogs Benji when they're five years old yeah. watching this. Like. He was the film. Best performance in the film too. Um, it was incredible. Way cuter as a puppy though. I've got to say that. Oh man, but I, I, I couldn't have handled it if he was a puppy that whole time. Oh wow, so cute as a puppy. So cute. <laughs> oh, and they took away his mum. Yeah, and, uh, very sad. But he was just so damn clever. Like this dog had, this, as I said in my flicks, uh, fast flicks, he had the smarts and empathy of a human. Mm. And in, in most cases, he was smarter than most humans, <laughs> which was just... I think if you want to sit there and, and critique the film for how realistic it is, then you're going to hate this film. Hate this film. film, yeah. But how can you not just fall in love with this... Cute dog. ...harmless character? He's gorgeous. Uh, what about some human characters? Ah, uh, you've lost me. Lost you? No, That's no, it, we're no. done. All right, we'll move. <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't... So, Carter, who's, I guess you would say, the main human actor in the film, sure. uh, probably the one who falls in love with Benji the most, Yep. I thought he felt pretty relatable. Um... I kind of love how they chucked in another tragedy into these families' lives as if falling in love with this dog and then losing it wasn't enough for him. Because <laughs> um, it was just like... The film wasn't messing around with playing with your heartstrings. Mm. It's what it wanted to do. It wanted to make you feel something. It wanted to make you love this dog. And by setting up this character who's already going through a fair bit and ripping that away from him as well, you're automatically going to be drawn to him. Um and I think everyone can sort of see a situation, whether you lived it or not, being a kid, knowing that you're not allowed to have a dog. But you fall, you can fall for a dog in 10 minutes. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah. I, I, I thought that the relationship that they built on screen between Carter and his sister, Frankie, was quite good. I felt like that you got that impression straight away that he always looks out for his sister. Yeah, he's um, he's always there for her. He knows, he generally knows what's, um, you know, right from wrong. Yeah, he does. And sort of probably segueing into to Frankie, like mm. she depends on him. 
she like she need needed him there. Um, well, she's like five. <laughs> she's five, and obviously, <clears throat> I try not to go through each character just by talking about one character. But you know, like, um, you can sort of tell that she's sort of the always wants to be do the right thing and and not upset mum. Mm. And you see straight off that you know she's happy. She falls in love with this dog too because she's happy to lie about him. Um, yeah, yeah, to sort of help Carter out, even though you don't believe her. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that's them. Uh, yeah, I agree. Them. I think they had a nice relationship. I think, I think she was supposed to be funnier than she was. Some of the lines didn't quite work. She played that annoying little sister very well, who still, as you said, depends on but loves her brother. And she wasn't overly annoying. She wasn't like some kids. Nah, there was enough. Of, yeah. There was enough that brother sister, you know, back and forth. You know, you'd know you've got a younger sister. Like, I do. Yeah, you can probably relate to. Nah, we always got along. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Apart from the time I like told her to smell the cheese, and I put my hand together like a mousetrap and just whack in the nose. Spelt her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that's never it. never leave that one out. Well, she's probably never going to fall for that again. No, I taught her a lesson. At least she did that in house and didn't embarrass herself in public. So. Yeah, I think I was like six and she was two, so got her good. Mean brother. <laughs> All right, what about mum? Mum, so Whitney. I didn't know her name was Whitney by the way until I read I'm doing. Oh, I picked up. Um, there was some mention when she was sort of talking to someone they said Whitney early on because I kept saying Mrs yeah whatever their surname was she's, she's obviously she's struggling with the loss of her husband yeah struggling with being a single mum having to work lots missing out on the times with the kids such as going to their you know, you know Frankie's dance shows those yeah. types of things so you don't see a lot of it because of, yeah. she's not in it a lot you, you hear about yeah you hear it. about a lot of it and I guess that sort of makes the scenes that you do see her she's always actually like a little bit over the top um, overemphasizing for you not hearing or seeing the, yeah, that actual true. pain on her Good call. Yeah, I think she just plays that typical mum who has to be the bad guy in this situation like mm. think about it like they can't have a dog I get yeah. that <laughs> I mean your, your your emotional side is just like you're you're terrible how can you do this to them but then like it all just kind of works and fits into place. Like everyone, every every character in this film is playing a really stereotypical role. Correct. Um, obviously, you don't have to work very hard in this film because so they're all playing these really stereotypical roles and they fit exactly the way you want them to fit. It's just like a, a comfy pair of tracky pants. This film, <laughs> everything just works. Yeah, uh, I had Mister King down. So did I. So he's the the owner of the pawn shop that the kids visit. P A W N. P A W N. Like. Um, that show on uh, National Geographic, the porn, porn stars. stars, yeah. Uh, he was just a lonely guy. He was, wasn't he? A real lonely guy. And, you know, realistically, he could have given the kids that watch back. But he said he, that. He did, he said that. Yeah, so I'm probably just quoting the film. But no, you know, it's, he, it's... he loved their company. Um, but I think that was almost a nice little revelation because you knew that the first time you see him, he's talking about putting the watch and then as soon as they leave, he puts it in the safe. Like, yeah. You know he's not selling that. No, because, like, yeah. Um, I felt like he was another safety blanket for the kids as well. Just as soon as they walked into that store the first time, there was a level of comfort to, to them being there and their relationship with him. Um, I also think he was just another chance to have a damsel in distress for Benji to save as well. <laughs> yeah. You needed to have one more character who you knew a little bit that Benji could save and uh, we'll get and, into that scene later on. <laughs> the next two I've got down are the the sort of the, the robbers or the bad guys. So you got Sid, mm-hmm. who's sort of the real bad guy, and then what Titus, is? his brother. Um <clears throat> They, they try to make him out as like chalk and cheese, really. They make Sid out to be the really bad guy who is in it for money because he owes money and he's got to pay back his debts. And you see him as like this controlling guy. And then Titus is like the opposite where he's along for the ride 
because he's sort of stuck with a yeah. brother who's also been there for him since he was young and he doesn't know any better, but he does know better because yeah. he can see what he's doing, what they're doing is wrong. Um, and he, he, seemed, to an end, yeah. he seemed sensitive because like, like I said, he knew that what they were doing wasn't right. And he kept questioning it to Sid, but I was annoyed that he didn't redeem himself. Very interesting, wasn't it? Very annoyed. Like he needed to, like the end he was like, no, nah, I'm taking the cash and bailing. He, it would have been perfect to give him a redemption story. So I've got some takes on this and, and I, this is my opinion as a fully grown adult man and not who the film is necessarily targeted to. But the reason that I liked, I think I liked this film as much as I did is because, so Sid, who was like surprisingly evil, like yep. no redeeming qualities. This was a bad dude. Like in these sorts of films, the bad guy sort of has these funny, silly qualities about him. Um, like, think of like a home, home life. Life. That's exactly what I was thinking. They yeah. get knocked in the head. Yeah, yeah there was nothing. Like this guy was savage and he literally talked, whether he said it ex- uh, illicitly or not, he talked about killing these kids. And for me, that raised the stakes, which I don't think like I never thought that these kids were gonna were gonna die or anything like that. But it felt a lot more real than just like this petty little kidnapping that the dog was gonna save the day. It says to the kid's face, like, you know, I really only need one of you for leverage. Like yeah, it's the other crazy. one I can get rid of you. And like. from the very start, he doesn't waver, mm. which which I like that. Mm. It felt like it was pushing a little bit for a wholesome family movie. But for me personally, I thought it worked. I thought it was really good. Okay. But similarly with Titus like you I thought he was going to save the day and have his nice sort of redemption arc and obviously that didn't end up happening but at least along the journey you felt less concerned for the kids with Titus around um, because obviously he did little things like give him the blanket and you you sort of felt like they were going to be somewhat safe but it was still sort of you know testy But I wonder if the reason that they didn't make him somewhat of a hero is because there's only one real hero in this movie. Benji! And and, and how can Benji save the day? But that was also a nice little twist when Titus was just like, you know what? This is what I'm doing. I'm going to screw him, but I'm going to screw you guys as well. I'm getting out of here. And then that's when when you're like, hang on, they're screwed either way. But the dog comes and saves the day. (laughs) So it kind of worked. They were really interesting characters in that sense. Okay. I've got the cop down Burton as well. Yeah. I just thought he was another... He was a sort of pretty useless character. I had a lot of trouble trying yeah, to didn't, figure. Didn't give much. I was, was he supposed to seem like more of a roadblock and then somehow they just managed to pull them onto his side and he was their teammate at the end of it? it he, yeah. He, he never even seemed to be a true roadblock because as soon as he's like, nah, I'm he got He was going. a pushover, yeah, wasn't he? Like, okay, cool, I'll come with you. <laughs> there was two or three times yeah. where he tried to put his foot down. You see him get abused by his boss outside in the rain. Yeah, and that was it. Yeah, like, they were trying just... to be like, oh, he's going to be a stickler yeah. for the rules now. But you know what? I liked at the end when he was there and helping and said g'day to that other dog. and oh, Yeah, more than likely took that dog under his wing. For sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a police dog now. <laughs> yeah. Um... There's no other characters I can think of. I think, no, no, we, I think did, we did pretty well there. We did very well. So this is uh, Brandon Camp's second feature film. See his other film? No. It was Love Happens in 2009 with Jennifer Aniston and Aaron Eckhart. So that's really? A, so that's a pretty big... It didn't do very well, but that's a pretty no, big film. I know film. the film. Yeah, that's a pretty big film, and this goes, he goes on to do this one. I completely missed that. Hmm. I Because um, I looked him up on Letterboxd, and this was the only thing he had on Letterboxd. Yeah. But I thought, like... Because the, the way I was sort of... I've obviously listened to a few of his interviews and read a few of his interviews. He's really confident about the way he presents himself in this world. Yeah. Uh, like, in this cinematic world. And I was like, I've got, I'm not seeing anything that you've done. Like, obviously, you've grown up with your, your, your mum because yeah. his mum was a producer on Benji as well. 
so, family affair. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he and he he made a point. Everything I learned, I learned from my dad. But um, well, that makes a bit more sense. So he dipped his toe, and obviously, hmm. then he thought about it for fourteen years yeah. and thought, you know what, <laughs> give it another crack. I'm going to write this new Benji film. And well done. No, I'm glad he did it. What did you think of the cast? Um, Very B-list sort of cast, I thought. Like, oh yeah. And with the budget, the money they had, I guess fine. that's all you can really. Go they were fine. Yeah. yeah, I didn't have an issue with yeah. any of them. All right, time to talk about some scenes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to sitting back and listening to all the doggy scenes that you loved. There's a little, there's actually a little bit here. I could preface it by saying basically every scene with Benji in it, I enjoyed because <laughs> yes. that's pretty true. Yeah, but I will break down some ones that I like the most. Um, that opening scene, as I said, it got me. That was that was rough. In fact, I thought the film was going to be about him finding his mum, but. Um, yeah, so the, I agree. The puppy's being stolen at the start, and then Benji being left behind. Oof. Like I almost teared up. Almost Mate, teared up at the start. I, I'm not joking. I was literally like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh. And then um, it felt like ET. You know, at the start of ET, when he's running around trying to get back on the spaceship. Yeah. And, uh, he's, he's so helpless. He's... Yeah. And then the big credit comes up with Benji, and I was like, oh, oh no, what yeah, are we doing with this? My wife watched this one with me, and she, and she was like, uh, you're a suckler for. I, I think I paused dogs. it and was just like, I don't think I can do an hour and a half of this. <laughs> um, I like the little cute meat with the strawberries when he when he sort of coaxed out Benji with the strawberries. I also like the fact that they returned with the strawberries as that motif they brought back. Um, so I had a bit of an issue. Like, are strawberries good for dogs? I feel like that strawberries probably aren't great for their guts. Don't know. Yeah, I, I, as if a dog wants strawberries. Dogs want anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strawberries would be nice. That'd be sweet. Yeah, okay. that might not be good for them. You're probably yeah, right. Yeah, I was just worried about the poor dog. Yeah, I didn't give my dog as much because they didn't show him eat them. They just showed him like his mouth, grab it and bring it back yeah. in. So it's like almost like as soon as he brought it back in, like spit it out. I maybe know, yeah. I maybe that's a very good point. But I just I like the way they did that. No, he he um, Carter had been down in his luck that day and yeah, he was really sweet with it. Um. Oh man, when they were cuddling in bed and he was kind of like spooning Benji and they were like <laughs> so comfortable. I think that one night that they had together worked so well that you you, you had to see them reunited. You're like, this is what life's going to be like, Benji. This is what it can be for you rather than you roaming the streets all the time. You've got a taste of it. The audience has got a taste of it. <laughs> we need to get that get back. back yep. And they did that really well. But then that led to leaving Benji outside in the rain. Oh my, could they have ordered more rain? Like, <laughs> that that killed me. That absolutely killed me. They're both getting drowned. And then, and then Carter's... song kicks in. Oh, but Carter's trying to, like, explain to this dog. And this dog's like, I love you. We've had such a great night. What are you doing? And then the dog waits for ages before he leaves. And, oh. So I, I got, like, I really liked that emotional sort of connection in that scene. And then, you know, the rain's coming down so heavily. There was these sirens and then like noises of cars going past that were so obviously just dumped in on the top. Yeah, right. It did not sound anything like the world to me. And that sort of ruined that scene for me. I was like, yeah, okay. I love this scene. And then literally it's pouring down rain and you see these like police sirens and they were just like these special effects noises they just dumped in. I think th- there's an element of that where as soon as Benji was dumped back onto the streets at any time in this film, mm. especially once he got to New Orleans before the that credits montage yeah um everything was fast and happening and loud for him and i guess that maybe was just that transition of you're back there now benji yeah i didn't notice it because i think i was just picking up picking my heart (laughs) up off the floor (laughs) um and then after that is when he waited outside the school for him as if carter didn't come out of the school like (laughs) but that that got me as well and he's waiting he's waiting then he like lays down um (laughs) what's this one oh what do you i i I kind of liked when Benji took 
the mum and the cop back to the place where he saw they were kidnapped and no one was there just because I, I think I wasn't giving this film any credit and I thought it was a nice touch because it kind of meant that it wasn't going to be as easy as we thought it was going to be to get these kids back. I thought they were just going to be at that one location the whole time. Benji was going to show them. Here they are. There might be a bit of a hoo-ha, but... I looked looked to my wife and I'm like, oh, this movie's going to end really quickly. Yeah. And then, obviously, they weren't there like, oh, there's just more. Ah, I didn't <laughs> mind that. It kind of got me. And it knew we and Benji had to find a second gear. We hadn't seen that out of Benji yet. He was just running on autopilot because he's that, that good. Yeah. But he found a second gear and we needed him to do that. Um, and then the, the final scene, which wasn't even that special, but when they reunited at the end and they're all sort of playing, cuddling on the grass, I just needed it. Like, <laughs> they could have done anything in that scene as long as they were together and I would have been happy. Good. Some nice scenes there. Some nice scenes. Oh. I I enjoyed, there's the scene where, you know, they're trying to hide Benji in the house and he's in between all these stuffed toys. Oh, the E.T. Oh, yeah. that, was, that was really cute. I really liked that. The, there's a scene, you know, the when the kids actually get kidnapped and they're put in the back of the van and the van's going through the streets and Benji's chasing the car and uh, the van and then finally he loses the, the van and it just stops in the middle of the street and the camera work there was awesome with mm. just that it sort of went around in a big circle to sort of show you that he's got no idea where they are now he's completely lost and I thought that was really well done yeah that's that was really one. nice and you uh, know how smart he is as well so you're often expecting him to pick up on things that the audience wouldn't he would just start running in a direction that's, yeah. that's, that's a really good point uh, once Benji gets to the place and he's sort of playing that, you know, chasey game with the bad guys chasing him and he ends up in the school bus. Yeah. That was pretty tense for a kid's film. Yeah, it was. Wasn't that it? was real tense. Like, yeah, there was God. a good jump scare where the guy's hand comes out. Like, that could be pretty uh, scary for some younger kids. They need to learn early. Yeah, but it was, it was I liked the scene. It's good, remind yeah. Me, remind yeah. me of, like, Jurassic Park. That's true. Yeah, it was cool. Um, I liked all those moon and back references too. Um. So right at the start, you know, the kids are lying to mum about having, like, don't want her to know there's a dog. And they're like, you know, it's okay, mum, we love you to the moon and back. And then you find out that, you know, the the engraving on the back of the watch is about, you know, loving um, loving to the moon and back. And then the one of the final scenes is, you know, when they're reunited with Benji at the end and um, and Carter sort of looks up and the, it's daylight, but the moon's in the sky and he just sort of says thank you. So it's always like this, this touching sort of thing that dad's always been there. It's crazy, right? Like, I don't know the original film, so I don't know if it's the same sort of family dynamic where they're mourning the loss of their father. But it's almost like Brandon Camp's. It's like, you are going to feel. And you know what? If you're not going to feel, you know what? I'm going to kill their dad. They're, they're not going to have a dad. They're going to be in the grieving process because you are goddamn going to feel. Uh, the last thing I've got is after the credits. I don't know if you, you watched after, right at the end of the credits. There was a there was a scene. So it said wolf. And then there was like a scene just with some outtakes of the scene where um, Benji gets the hot dog and runs it to the house and the big trying to get the big dog to yep. to follow him to eat it. And they showed like, I think it took like, well, they showed six takes of it. Just the difficulty in obviously working with animals. I didn't watch it's, that. Um, it's, it's, it just brings together this how This was after hard, the wolf thing. This was after the Because I watched thing, yeah. the wolf thing. That was like the end. This, this yeah. just brings together how hard it is to work with animals. Yeah. Um, so it was like, you know, six takes in a row. Like Benji does, Benji was awesome. Benji did the right things. Dropped the bag where it's supposed to be. And the big dog was just completely, <laughs> kept going left, kept going left, kept going. Left. It was, it was, it was cool just to see, imagine how many takes oh, this film insane, would have, would have taken. So that was, that was a nice little finish. That's cool. Cause you think that I, I, I was even thinking that when I was watching, I'm like, how many, how, how hard was it to get the dog to do? And like every little thing, like walking like left and right and every little movement, it's, because so usually when a film finishes, my wife's like, "Oh, let's turn it off." But I'm like, "No, no, no I've got to stay till the end." And with this one, I could tell straight away because usually the Netflix thing says playing next, 
and the oh. credits are rolling. I'm like, nah, there's something at the end because it hasn't started saying playing next. So I just yeah, yeah. went right through to the end. Like, bang, there's your extra scene. Good call. So that was cool. Good little it. Netflix tip. All right, what yeah, what are, what are some scenes that you maybe didn't like? Not many. Yeah. This one's really clutching at straws, but the first conversation between Carter and Frankly only because it took me away from being from this with this charismatic dog. <laughs> I was like, I don't want any scenes without Benji in it. Uh, and it was fine, but it just was like, hey, no, more Benji, please. <laughs> um, you love your Benji. And then the only other scene I didn't like was when Benji used the key to unlock the door. Yeah. Oh, no. That I've, was a little bit too much for me. I've got that down too. That was just a little bit like... There's probably only two things that he did where you're like, well, that's just ridiculous. So I had both of them down. I was like, the dumpster move, where he's moved the full dumpster oh, yeah, to, yeah. to try and jump and then jump climb up, up the thing, yep. the key scene. And... Um, I don't know. Otherwise, I, they, have like, I mean, everything he did was out of the realms of possibility because yeah. he thought like a human, but... Um, there wasn't things like that that he did that were too insane. And the fact that Mr. King is behind there going, Go, dog! You can do it! You can do it! I'd be like, Ah, oh, crap! It's a dog trying to save me! <laughs> he was very enthusiastic, that guy. He was. Alright, my turn? Is that all you got? Or is no, no, I've got it. Oh, no, no, sorry. Sorry, no, 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 no. And you're probably going to disagree. No, So, no, I want fine. you to tell me why you like these scenes if you do. Oh, it's going to be the same answer every time. <laughs> Go on. There are a few things that they set up which obviously helped with understanding the characters, but I didn't like the closure. So the start, you see this bully having a go at Carter. Mm. And there was just this one-off scene that obviously they discuss around the kitchen table, but that was it. it. And that would have been nice sort of, I don't know, to have seen at some other stage, you know, when Benji's waiting at the school, maybe just a shot of um, Carter dealing with the kid at school or something, rather than just yeah, putting yeah, it straight point. at the start and then not really closing that loop. So I guess what they're doing there is just setting up that he's having a rough day and yeah. dogs can make you happy kind of yeah. thing. But you're right, there's yeah. an opportunity there, isn't there? And the same with um, Frankie wanting to be a dancer. Like yeah. it would have been nice to have, and I'll, I'll keep going in a sec, but it would have been nice at the end to just have her dancing on a stage and them sitting there watching. Or, or even just, just like to close it. do a pirouette when she's trying to get away from the kidnapper or something. Something, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just to add that in as a part of her character. Yeah, it was almost like, all oh, right, these characters have this backstory and it's, you know, relevant to their mindset, but that's all it is. Yeah, yeah you're right. There's missed opportunities. Um, I like the location of New Orleans, but I don't think it added to the story. So the over-the-top or um, in-your-face references to the city didn't really work for me because they didn't, it didn't add to the to the characters or to, to Benji's plight. So, you know, just, you know, they've got these cable cars in there to mm-hmm. as a transport. It's like, we'll just use that to get... Because every other time they walk. So, I you know, they had that there. Um, the cable cars, the jazz music, the Bourbon Street signs, the Day of the Dead parade. None of it really helped the story. No. It was, they were just put in there because it's like, hey, we're filming in New Orleans. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't get any of those references as New Orleans um, specific. The, I mentioned the dumpster thing. Um it's probably similar to the scene where he tucks mum in bed and yeah, turns yeah, the that's, light that's, off. Sorry, that's, that's the, the other, other scene that yeah, I missed. The yeah. yeah. Um, I, there's a scene where Carter cracks it at his mum when she tells him to get rid of Benji. And I just didn't really like the the dialogue, I guess, where he's like, you know, it's not fun around here because of you. This dog would make it fun. Um, and, you know, he's not a thing. He's a dog sort of thing. I don't know. Yeah. That's I know the kid needed to crack it. It just, I don't know, could have done it in a different Certainly way. Just stormed out or something. Lifted the emotion. Yeah. When Mr. King's held up by these two robbers, mm. I didn't like the obviousness of him trying to get the kids to leave. What, what would you do? I don't know, but I, it was just, it just was a little bit cringy to me. Like, okay. he's, it was just too obvious and awkward that he's like, you know, I sold the watch. Like, I don't, don't think it was supposed to not be obvious, though. I think as an audience, you're supposed to be like, get out of there, kids. 
Yeah, but using the watch as like, I've sold your watch, get out. I, I guess that's the only reason that they're there. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, he's actually trying to fall on his sword, be noble. Yeah. And... Just be like, hey, kids, I've got a customer here. Wait outside for me or something. I don't know. Yep, that was... Uh, maybe I'm being too picky. No, no, that's um, <laughs> When Mr. King's like, oh, the dog's following his heart. I was like, oh, <laughs> that was a little cringy. It actually annoyed me that Mr. King went with them that first time. I was like, ah, oh, there's something, something's going to happen here because Mr. King's there. They were going to want all the characters together. Yeah. And then nothing happened. And then he wasn't there for the other time. It's yeah. like, why did you bring him in the first place? Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Towards the end when, you know, Benji's racing around with the bad dog chasing him and then he gets his big dog mate to sort of stop the other dog and the other dog just plays dead. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was like a power play or power something. Play, but yeah. yeah I, I, weird. That was, that was a bit weird, but I was all in by that point. Only two little other things. The scene where the kids are on the boat and there's a rope and Benji's trying to cross the rope to get to the kids on the boat. Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. really scared me. I was like, that is that dog is going to have a heart attack. This dog was thinking, really thinking it through. Oh, surely that's cruelty to animals. <laughs> surely making the dog walk that rope across the water. The, to be honest, the rope was, was thick enough. The dog wouldn't have had an issue with that. I think the hesitation was around the fact that there's a guy at the other I'm end. And how, yeah, and how do I play this? Now, that real dog... Doesn't think that. Yeah. Doesn't know that. Yeah. I think walking across that rope, that dog okay. would be all right. Okay. And my dogs wouldn't. They'd dogs. suck at it. <laughs> you know, when we first went to my parents' pool, Todd, my youngest dog, dog, was just like running towards the pool. So obviously, there's a glass enclosure around it. So we let him in the glass enclosure. Just starts running and then just doesn't stop running and just goes straight <laughs> into the water and just got like a hell of a fright. He's <laughs> such an idiot. Love him. He's such an idiot though. Last thing is after we've had this happy scene is, you know, the, the family's reunited with Benji who wakes up. Really good acting from Benji. Um, He's best. Good playing dead. There's this weird foreplay scene with Benji and the big oh, dog. Oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> I was, it was a little bit weird. They're like, you know, there's this love song playing. Because like, they set up that she was a female. Yeah. yeah just, that, was that was very weird. That was a little bit weird. I think I chose to forget about that for that scene. Yeah. All right. That's all I've got. So what's, let's have a chat quickly about what's this movie trying to say? What are some messages in it? Some themes, some ideas? There's a bit there. Yeah. Um, I, I think the strongest one is that, that idea of belonging. Um and Benji had never belonged anywhere. And as soon as he got a taste of it, he, he wanted more. And I think in that sense, Mr. King didn't sell the watch because he liked their company because he wanted to sort of belong as well. Um, and then that sort of blends itself nicely into that whole idea of family um, yeah. and what it makes to be a family and how four-legged, four-legged friends can be part of that family as well. 100% family was definitely like sticking together, looking out for each other. These kids look out for each other when mum's not around. Mm really liked that and I thought these kids were pretty positive role models for kids watching this film too apart from there's like one little exception where you know they lie to mum about having a dog but apart from that these kids are pretty good kids that you know they're okay to look up to it's good if point. I was in a situation like this these kids and it's are a good okay. lie too hmm. like they're obviously doing something that they know their mum's not going to like but they they're not they're, they're not conniving about it they they shower her with love and it's it's, it's a nice a nice way to go about it they could have been a lot more sneaky and not say anything sort of kept to themselves so it still created that nice family unit and there was this little sort of uh underlying thing of faith as well um frankie was praying she prayed quite a bit in this film uh you know to keep benji when she's captured she prays to get home safe and when she was doing that sound they had this big skylight roof in the boat and it was just like this big beam of light like it was like everything's gonna be okay um yeah yeah so what do we take away from this film then 
Um, look, one of the, the biggest thing that I took away, probably because I wasn't expecting it, was I, I just like how they they really created those stakes by making the kidnappers brutal and not silly. Um, and I still don't think that took away from it being a really good family movie that you can sit down and watch with your kids. Yep. I like the Jurassic Park reference that you made, right? Like, mm. at what age can you show your kids Jurassic Park? It's a good question because Jurassic Park's pretty... It's, it's got some scary stuff. Yeah, it does. Um, but, you, you know, neither of us have kids, but I wouldn't mind showing them Jurassic Park as soon as they can see it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, like, I, I enjoyed that they made this film without feeling like there was some need to make Benji or any of the dogs talk. Oh, for sure. I was, it gave it more realism and it gave it, you know, that ability to actually believe it more than sometimes, you know, if you get these dogs with fake mouths that sort of, you know. So th- that's one of the things that Brandon Camp said. So when he was pitching this idea to studios, yeah. he's like, look, I'm the son of Joe Camp. I want to recreate this film. They're like, cool, you know, we'll give you $50 million, but the dog's got to talk or the dog's got to go to space or the dog's got to do this. And, and they're trying to... They're trying to make films that are going to have commercial success. Yep. So you know, they're coming from a different different path, but um, it's a really good point that you brought that up because that's exactly what, what he, he thought. Good. He's like, I want to make this film the way I want to make this film. Good. I, I wasn't a massive fan of the, the songs in it, though. They're all very downerish. Like, I was like, oh, that is it's just like, let's just pull at your heartstrings the whole movie. They, that, that was the thing. That's what this movie was. Yeah. This movie was literally trying to grab you in. Yeah. Um, and once it got you in, it shook you a little bit more just to get as much emotion out of you as possible. possible. I think there's perfect spot on video on demand for this film. Absolutely. Like, fam- as I said, families would love to chuck this on on a, on a Friday night or a Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, and you can safely know that the kids will be okay watching it without Absolutely. you there. And, and dog lovers are going to be sucked in by this as well. Yeah. Did, so we have a segment where sometimes, or most times, we jump on IMDb to check someone out. Did you get on it all this time? I absolutely did. Good. Who did you look for? Um... The kid who plays Carter is yeah. Gabrielle Bateman, who is the kid from Lights Out horror movie. Yeah. Like I, as yeah. soon as I, and so this is the perfect example of jumping on IMDb for someone because I'm like, I recognise that kid. I can't think what he's from. Yeah. As soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, of course. Good. He's good in that too. Okay. So kid's gonna be right. Hmm. I got yeah. on twice. Twice. The first one was Titus, the second bank robber. So. Didn't you know him? I knew I knew he was Aussie straight away. So it's, it's Angus Sampson. And I was like, I couldn't remember what film he was from. So in my head, I think I was like, I think it's Beneath Hill 60, which is an Aussie film. Do you know why film. you know him? I know, well, there's lots of stuff that he's actually in. He wasn't in Beneath Hill 60, but he's been in so much Australian stuff. He was in Thank God You're Here. He wasn't Thank God You're Here. Did you used to watch that? I did. He was on that all the time. That's where you know him, I swear. Oh, he, like, he's in How's That. He was in, he played at Beaconsfield Miners, that movie. Yeah. He played. He was in Kokoda. He was in Fury Road. I remembered him from that as well. He's in heaps. Um, and the other one I looked up was... He's very funny. He's very he's, funny. He's, he's good. He's in also the, in... The Mule. He's also in Insidious movies. Insidious. Good. Um, the other one I looked up was the boat captain. His character's name was Cajun Captain. Oh, right. Um, his name in real life is Tom Proctor. And I was like, that guy's face is so familiar. Um, he's been in a lot, but nothing that I recognized him from. He's in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's in a whole bunch of stuff, but I could nothing that I remember him was from. Was he Laserface from Guardians of the Galaxy? Nah, I don't think so. Because he looks a bit yeah. like him. But yeah, so that were my two. Is that his name, Laserface? Yeah. All right. I think it's time for us to ask each other some questions. Have you got anything that you'd like to ask me, MJ? I got one. Yeah. I don't know how well you're going to be able to answer it. Um, but why did Benji need another dog to help him on that whole last mission 
Is it because that other dog was like a really good sniffer dog and could I track? I think so, could track, yeah. That, that would be my, my idea. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was that or it was uh, he knew that he needed a bigger dog bigger to help with the Roddy. I don't know. but It's a good question, yeah. And how I, did he know that dog was a good tracker? Well, we, I think because the opening scene, he brings the that yeah. tray with the, the sauce, sauce in it, yeah, yeah. and he like smells it straight it away. Yeah. yeah, true. True, no, well done. Uh, so Sid who's the robber mm. he like is he, there's this scene where he's teasing Carter about the watch about his dad's watch because he's got it and I don't know if I misinterpreted it what was he having a go at Carter about was it about being like his dad he's like you're just like your dad he do you want to be like your dad but do you remember the story that he told because he said I, I'm pretty sure like your dad walked out on your mum yeah. and this is his story yeah. and you know your dad's weak he's like yeah. a um, quitter kind yeah. of thing just yeah. like you're a quitter yeah. yeah so why was he so upset when we knew as the audience that that's not what happened with his dad? Because we know his dad was sick. Why was Carter upset? Yeah. Because what he was saying, like, it's brutal. This this is like an eight-year-old kid who's just lost his dad and someone's talking about his dad like that, whether it's true or I not. I just feel like my dad's dead. Yeah. I, I don't <laughs> think it's that easy to... I don't think many people would be able to cope like that. The, the kid's just been kidnapped. <laughs> He's getting taunted about his dead father, saying awful things. Fair. Knows he's probably not going to get that watch back. <laughs> All right. Um, at the end of the film, when they try to make it out like Benji's dead and the mum's crying. So I was writing my notes. I'm like, mum's crying, cop's crying. And I wrote, MJ's crying. Were you crying? <laughs> I, I think I started crying. Uh, okay, good. I just wanted during, to cry. No, I started crying <laughs> during the scene in the rain. And I think I stopped crying about half an hour before I got here. So <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a that's a big crying session. Oh, you need some water. Be, be dehydrated. This film was next level on trying to get you to cry. All right, last thing I've got to ask, and this <laughs> this question. can be your, this can be your dog update too. So oh, yeah. how did you watch this film? How did how did you have to watch this film, mate? This was tough. So if you listen to our podcast on a semi regular basis, uh, you will know that I have two dogs. One of which cannot handle animals on the TV screen. He doesn't get it. I think he thinks they're in the room or whatever. That, whatever, like even if it's an ad for a cat or something, he'll go bananas. So I was, I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks when I saw this film was coming on the list. And I was like, what am I going to do with this film? And I, I was honestly going to like go to my brother's house and say, hey man, do you want to watch this dog film with me? Because I can't watch it with Bernie and Todd at home. Um, and then my wife was like, why don't you just watch it on the iPad with headphones on? And I was like, that is the best idea. So I'll be honest, I put I put it on on the TV and I got one minute and 11 seconds in and it was like probably the worst scene to open up on. <laughs> My dogs are watching these other dogs get like taken away in, in the van and stuff and they both lost it. I was like, oh, this isn't going to happen. So we've got this nice big iPad. I put my headphones in on Bluetooth and I sat on the couch and watched it with Todd on my lap almost the whole time. Which is perfect because I think I needed the comfort of my own dog every now and then to just pat him and uh, and they had no idea that I was watching this thing about dogs. Good. That's a nice story. I like that story. Yeah. But we just literally were not going to be able to watch dog films at home like ever ever again. (laughs) It's just the way it is. (laughs) They're going to have to go watch them at the movies if they're out. Okay. I think it's time to wrap this up. I think so. So we, as a team, we like to, we give a rating out of five and then add it up for a Flix forum average. MJ, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, I haven't been too shy in, in letting you know how I thought about this one. Literally, when I finished the movie, I wanted to watch it again. <laughs> and I can actually see it being one of those really guilty pleasure viewings for me, um, whenever the dogs aren't there to ruin it. I was completely charmed by the dog. 
Um, and I enjoyed them stripping everything back to just enjoying it on a pure emotional level without even trying to <laughs> tell you anything else. This is three and a half stars. Ooh, very nice. Okay, <laughs> so I thought this was really well made. It was cute. It's definitely not for my age bracket. Um, I think that, you know, it's quite obvious who this is targeted at. It's for a, a nice family story. So Absolutely. for families to sit and enjoy together. Um, so, you know, it's got some good morals in it too. Some good little ideas that as a family, um, you can enjoy this. Um, the dogs are pretty cute. Oh. <laughs> so it was a fun time. Um, I'm giving it a two out of five, which gives us a average of 2.75. You didn't say many bad words about that. And then you gave it a two. Two's not a bad rating. I've given some movies that were pretty bad. I've given movies zero. Remember that. You've got to remember yeah, that. But, so. this, but this movie was never going down zero territory. No. And so, look, I'm well aware that my three and a half was high. <laughs> yeah. So two's too solid for I mean, me. What is it on IMDb again? It's, it's like 6.4. 6. So it's 3.2. All right. Oh, it's like what I gave it all. Yeah. We're on social media. We have we Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are at Flix Forum. We pop some questions up every now and then. Give so, us a follow as well. Yeah, yes. that'd be nice. That could be a Christmas present to us. Because you've already subscribed and you've already given us five stars on whatever platform yeah. you're listening. Give us a follow on, on social. Social, that'd be good. Say day. Our question on social media today is, what's your favorite dog movie of all time? <sighs> Milo Notice has got to be up there. Milo Notice, when I was uh, young. I Lady in the Tramps, a classic. Yeah, um, goodness. Oliver and Company. There's so many, so many different types. Napoleon, the Australian yeah. dog movie, was pretty cute at the time as You've well. Got, like your classics, like Lassie and Lassie. I I loved Homeward Bound when I was a mm. kid. It was like the two dogs and the cat, yep. and then they had Homeward Bound two as well. Yeah, they got lost again. Those dogs. <laughs> I loved them as a kid. So there's, um, there's plenty of good good dog films. So let us know what your favorite is. But when you got dogs, like you just become a sucker. sucker. For, I've never seen Marley and Me. Yep. I know what happens. The dog's purpose. I know what happens in Marley and Me, and I'm never going to be able to watch it. I just can't. I, I can't sit through that. No. So. Too distressing. Good. All right. So that's Podmas nearly done. Tomorrow's Christmas. I'm calling Podmas done. Calling Podmas done. Well, Tomorrow, and like full disclosure, Jesse and I aren't going to record on Christmas Day. We're no. going to record Back it. Back it up. Now, and we are going to release it on Christmas Day for you guys as your little Christmas present. But I'm calling that Podmas done. And... Well done. Congratulations. What I'm, an incredible effort. We've had guest guest hosts a couple of times. We've had guest hosts. We've, we've had bets about or wages about Christmas. Christmas. We've had Christmas films followed by some of the most violent <laughs> foreign language films that we've ever seen. We've had it's a been good a cross-section of our film in, in these last 24 days. So It's been a lot of fun. And you know what? The next film that we talk about on Christmas Day is going to be a lot of fun as well. Good. Well... Good segue, because tomorrow, Christmas Day, we're checking out the 2018 action comedy Game Over Man. It stars, oh sorry, it's directed by Kyle Newichek, and it stars Adam Devine, Adam Devine, and Blake Anderson. So we saw him in a film not that long ago. We did, uh, the Chick Flick one. Yeah, Chick Flick one, when, when we, we first, first met. met. Yeah, so not we've got him ago. in our film tomorrow, so. I've actually seen that film. Oh, good. I haven't, so looking forward to it. Um, what was I going to say about Podmas? We're done. We're done. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's about all you needed to say. Thank you for joining us on this wonderful festive journey. We've had an absolute blast doing it. We will see whether we do it again. Whether we have Eastmas. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what we're going to do, but we will be back to our regular weekly schedule. Um, starting off tomorrow, Christmas Day for um. You know what? If you're having a boring Christmas Day. And your family's boring you a little bit. You've got 24 hours of us to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or you could just chuck on Game Over, man. <laughs> listen to us afterwards and you've probably got three hours of enjoyment there. 
good. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. Oh, I'll see. You. Well, I'll see you later tonight. See but later we'll tonight. see our listeners tomorrow. And if, merry, merry, merry Christmas. If we don't see, if you don't listen, if you are listening to us on Christmas Eve, I do want to say Merry Christmas as well. Good. All right. We'll see you soon. See you then.